You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruits in your heart now and always. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God Almighty. We started this year just like yesterday. And this is the last week of the second month of the year. Has God not been good? It's been so good to us. It's been so kind. We bless the name of the Lord for preserving us. Over all the weeks that we have seen this year, over all the days that we have seen this year, we have come to say thank you. I hope you are part of that praise and worship. Because God, He enjoys the worship of His people. In fact, He seeks those who worship Him in spirit and truth. And as we begin this morning, I want you to bring your heart back. If your heart has not been here before, bring your heart back and let us share the word of God together. Father, we bless your holy name. We thank you, Lord God, because you are always with us. Thank you for that time of praise and worship. Thank you for every day that we have spent in this month already. We give you all the praise and glory today being the last Saturday in the month of February. We rejoice that we are among the living. Lord, we pray that as your word will come to us, you will reinforce in us our purpose for living in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will stay right there. We will receive a commendation from you at the end of our lives here on earth in the name of jesus christ let your word come with power and clarity and let our lives be transformed out of the result of your word in jesus mighty name we pray amen i especially welcome you back to our series on for christ's sake you know we, we started this series uh, a couple of weeks back and um, we started looking at certain action words you know, uh, like enroll, like uh, testify. And last week, only last week, we said fight. You know, these are action words. And that's how we started our series for Christ's sake. You know, last week, for those of us who missed it, I usually like to, to recap so that we can build on it because all these topics are connected. They are layer upon layer so that we go to the level that God wants us to come on a particular day like this. So we, we start to build. But from last week, you know, we, we mentioned that the Christian uh, life the Christian journey can be compared to a race, a race that you must win. It can be compared to battles, several battles, battles that you must win. And it can be likened to an activity requiring you to guard your faith, to guard your faith. So you have a faith to guard, you have a race to win, you have battles to fight and win. And we also said last week that it's a dangerous thing for you to be playing neutral, behaving like a fan when you should be a fighter. You are wearing the jersey of the club of Jesus. But when the club of Jesus and the club of Satan are fighting, you stand there with your hand in your pocket. That is a very dangerous thing. You can become a casualty. Your allegiance is tested on how you behave on that battlefield. As a fan or as a fighter. And last week we also established that while the gospel is true and singular, certain people have crept in and have tried to adulterate the gospel and they are peddling their gospel light. We said beware of that kind of gospel that promises you that you will only have prosperity and there will be no persecution. It promises and pushes and propagates an idea of liberty without limits and um, continues to say oh let's push grace beyond the limits of godliness so be careful be careful those people who come out with this kind of things only want to lure you off the narrow way off the narrow way they offer an easier gospel 
easier in quotes. They offer it so that it can lure you away from the true gospel. The one that the martyrs in scriptures died for. The ones that Jesus died for. The ones that the apostles put their lives on the line for. They offer us that to say, be very careful. Be very careful. But we have saved the, the, the toughest, the toughest in this series for the last. So it's okay to say, I will enroll, or I will even testify. Or perhaps I will fight. I will not be a fan, I will fight. But when it comes to dying for something, that's not cheap. That's not easy. So today our topic is hatred. Hatred. And you know, hatred is not, a, it's not um, the action we need to carry out. You know, three weeks ago we said enroll. That's an action you carry out. We talked about testify. That's an action you carry out. Then uh, we talked about fights last week. That's an action you carry out. But this time around is for you to be the recipient of hatred. So you are being hated. No, this is not calling you to go and hate somebody. It's to say, how are you expected to conduct yourself when you are being hated for Christ's sake? And you will be hated for Christ's sake. Do you understand? In, you know, in the first three um, uh the topics we took in this series, the focus is on what you will do. But on this particular, the focus is on what the world will do to you for Christ's sake. You will be hated for Christ's sake. Why do we say that? Let's go to our main text for the month. We started reading um, every Saturday, Philippians chapter 1 from verse 27 to 29. It's our anchor text for the month. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear from your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That is, you are contending for the faith. Verse 28 says, And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. Verse 29 is our emphasis for today. And it's the last verse of this chapter. Listen very carefully. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. I will read verse 29 again. Verse 29 is very, very key. It says, for to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. In other words, suffering for Christ's sake is granted. Read your Bible. It says, for to you, it is granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So to suffer for Christ's sake is granted. You can take it to the bank. If you are a believer... If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it is not a question of it's an option. It's not an elective course. You know, back then on campus, they will give you some courses and say, Oh, these ones are compulsory courses. These ones are prerequisite courses to other courses. These ones are elective. So you can select. No, you cannot elect to suffer for Christ's sake or not to suffer for Christ's sake. If you are a disciple of Jesus. And that's exactly what we have been trying to build a case about from the first week. So say if you come to enroll in that army, hmm? you have come to enroll in that institution and you begin to go out to testify to others. And in week three, you began to fight, to contend for that faith, to struggle, to fight in the interest of Christ. He said, excuse me, 
be ready to also suffer for Christ's sake because it is part of the package. Believing are suffering, they are inside the package. That's what verse 29 says. It said, believing and suffering, they are part of the package of your salvation as a believer. As much as believing is a privilege, suffering is a privilege. I know you don't like what I'm saying. It is a privilege to believe in Christ. Because that privilege comes with benefits. Remember what the Bible says, that these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name shall they cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will hold serpents. Nothing will happen to them. They will drink something poisonous. It's by no means harm them. You understand? He was saying several things that you will enjoy. The privileges, the dividends of believing in Christ. So it is a privilege because it comes with benefits. But the same language is used for suffering in this verse. That it is also a privilege to suffer. <laughs> this is a hard saying. How can you tell me it's a privilege to be hated, to be persecuted, to be bullied, to be murdered? It is a privilege because it also has benefits. And we will come to that. But let's first settle it first and foremost that suffering is in the package, suffering is granted, and suffering is a privilege. For Christ's sake. Not that you suffer as an offender, but suffering for Christ's sake. Not that you suffer because you failed to do what is right, but suffering for Christ is a privilege. It is a privilege. Meaning that it is not open to everybody. Anything they call a privilege is not open to everybody. It's open to some. Those of us who have come to enroll with Christ Jesus. You have entered the book of life. You are part of those privileged people. Privileged to suffer for his namesake. This is the first thing we must first settle. It is a gift. Just like salvation. Just like your believing. It is a gift. It's something to be appreciated. See what the Bible says. Hatred needs to be expected. That's it. Because it is in the package which we expect it. John chapter 15 I'm going to read John chapter 15. Uh, we know uh, what happened in John 15 from the beginning. Uh, Jesus was speaking about the parable of the vine. You know, how we and him are connected, vitally connected. But that's not where I'm going to. I'm going to verse, um, verse 18 of the book of John chapter 15. See what the Bible says. The Bible says, if the word hates you, this is Jesus speaking. If the word hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus saying, <laughs> guys, when you see that the world is hating you, it's because they already hated me, the one who is in front of you. Verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. This is the rationale, brethren. This is the rationale for the hatred that we feel from the world. The reason is because we do not belong. That's what Jesus is saying. And exactly this, this same position, Jesus amplified it in the, uh, the same chapter. Just flip, uh, I mean, two chapters after. Chapter 17, if you go to verse 14 of John chapter 17. Verse 14, what does it say? The Bible says, I have given them your word. Since was the prayer of Jesus. Jesus was praying. He said, I have given them your word. 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Do you understand? So this is established. The reason we will be hated as believers, as disciples of Christ, is because we are not of the world. Hmm. Now I have a problem. I have a problem with this. You know, meaning that if you you are not hated, it could actually mean that the world does not consider that you are not part of them. If you are not hated, you are not getting me. Be careful. If the world loves you, it might be a signal that you love the world. Be careful. Because Jesus has established very profoundly that it is expected that the world will hate you because you are not part of the world. So if the world is loving you, it might be a signal that you too, you love the world. That's why they are loving you. Of course, there's a difference between loving sinners and loving the world system. When the Bible says, love not the world, not the things therein, Anyone who loves the, the, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, talking about the love of the world, that it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those who do those kind of things do not belong to the Father. Because why? The, the world will pass away and those who love the Lord, they will stand forever. So there are two different things. Jesus was one who loved sinners. But he did not love the ways of sin. So loving the world and loving the system of the world, they are two different things. I mean, loving sinners and loving the world, they are two different things. As believers, we should love sinners. Why? Sinners are victims of the world. We should love sinners, but not condone their sin. Not accept the values of the world. Not follow the principles of the world. Not follow the ethics and the practice of the world. But to rescue sinners in love. Not condoning sin. But looking for how to bring sinners. Because they are victims of the system of the world. They have been blinded by the system of the world. We should help open their eyes with the light of God's word. So I'm not talking about condemning the world. When the Bible says we are not part of them. And that we should love not the world. I hope you understand me. I hope you are following me. Those who... Love not the world. Should be prepared to be hated by the world. Because the Bible in 1 John chapter 2, if you read from 15 to 17, which I, uh, I quoted earlier, the Bible says, love not the world. So if you love not the world, then you should be ready to be hated by the same world. The world will confront the believer with hatred, except the believer has been conformed to the world. Hmm? We should expect to be confronted by hatred from the world, except we ourselves, we are conformed to the world. So hatred is to be expected. As a matter of fact, hatred was prophesied. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, you remember when um, Jesus and his disciples were hanging out somewhere opposite the temple? They sat on the Mount of Olives. Matthew chapter 24. And um, he was telling them something. Say, guys, look at Jesus said. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. I'm reading from verse 1, Matthew 24. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, 
not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And the disciples said, ah, what are you talking about? Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, number one, when will all these things be? That is the, the things he talked about saying, this temple will be thrown down, all these stones will be thrown down. When will all these things be? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming? And number three, what will be the sign of the end of age? You know, usually you can misread this text and uh, misinterpret signs of coming to be equal to signs of end of age. There's a distinction here. And if you read through, we don't have enough time to go into the apocalypses of it today. Hopefully God will give us an opportunity for those of you who are hungry, who want the word, who want to know more about the word of God. Maybe hopefully we can have a session, a retreat. We come and sit down in an apocalypse style to understand the scriptures. What is the scripture actually talking about here? That's not our subject for today. We'll just go to, I think I should just move to um, maybe verse 9. Verse 9. Let's go to verse 9 to, to deal with it a bit more. See what, what the scripture says there. The Bible says, Then, Jesus speaking, They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. We betray one another and we hate one another. Jesus said it. <laughs> In fact, has this not started happening? Even though the end of age has not happened. But as we are approaching it, we see some of these things already happening. Hatred of the disciples of Jesus has become a global matter. Everywhere, everywhere you go, you keep hearing, oh, they did this to Christians here. They did that to Christians here. Christians are not allowed to do this here. Christians are not allowed to. They promulgate all sorts of laws. You know, you read on, on, on internet, you know, news. They will promulgate a law. Thou shall make cake for everyone that asks you, no matter who they are. I should be able to choose who I want to make cake for. If you come and say I should make a cake, writing Jesus is not Lord, Jesus is bad, I will not do it. I'm not under obligation to do it. So you are telling me there's a group of people who call themselves LGBT and they want to wed and a man wants to wed a man and a woman wants to wed a woman and they have come to me to make cake for them to wed them. I should have a right to say no. But those countries are saying no, as a Christian, you don't have a right. You must do it. One day they will say, right, Jesus is not Lord. You must do it. Persecution everywhere. In every area, persecution. This systematic hatred is going on everywhere in the world. In some places in Far East Asia, you cannot meet as a church. They meet in holes. You cannot carry a Bible. They tear pages of the Bible, smuggle it in like contraband materials. Because we are hated. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. We will be hated all over the nations. The nations will want to frustrate the bride of Christ, the church, with hatred. But we are glad it's a privilege to be hated. Hated for the sake of Christ. Hated because the apostles experienced hatred. Hatred was established long before our time. Stephen experienced hatred. 
Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 7. Let's see the, the accounts of the story of Stephen. I don't know how many of us still remember Stephen. Stephen was one of the few deacons that were ordained in Acts chapter 6 when there was a crisis in the church against um, about how to distribute food. And they said, oh, we, we need to solve this admin issue. Go and get for us people who can fill this role. And they brought Stephen and some other uh, gentlemen and said, these men were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So Stephen was the first person that was named among them. So on, on this particular day, we don't know, he was just accosted by some gentlemen of a synagogue of the freedmen. Freedmen in quote, and they were dragging Stephen, they were disputing with Stephen, they were talking to Stephen about diverse things and they were accusing him of things because they could not beat him, the Bible says they could not match the wisdom they could not match the wisdom with which he was speaking and the spirit of God that was backing his speech, they could not defeat him they said what are we going to do, we need to set this guy up we need to go hire some people to lie that he blasphemed. Remember what they did to Jesus? Exactly the same thing. Say so we need to find people who are going to tell lies against him. So they dragged him and took him before the priest. And, you know, they gave him a platform. You see, <laughs> this is very deep and we'll come back to it later. They dragged him to a platform and they, they began to ask him. The chief priest was asking him, So what do you have to say to all these accusations that they are making against him? And Stephen said, Thank you for giving me a reason to preach. And he began to preach. He preached a very long sermon. In fact, he started from Abraham. He talked about Jacob, how Israel went to Egypt, how Moses was born. And Moses prophesied that somebody was coming that would come after him. They would think he's like a prophet, like one of them, but he's more than that. And him, would they hear? He spoke about that. And he spoke about the fact that God does not dwell in houses made by human hands. He lives in us by his Holy Ghost. By his Holy Ghost. Remember, the Bible says concerning Stephen, Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. So under the unction of the Holy Ghost, Stephen preached a very long message. And at some point, the people got offended because he said something they didn't like to hear. In verse 51, the Bible says, Stephen, still under the influence of the Holy Ghost, of course. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, the just one being Jesus Christ, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Of course, they killed him. They said, crucify him. It was the people of the priest and the nation of Israel that said, crucify him. So they were murderers. Who have received the law by the direction of angels have, have not kept it. The Bible says in verse 54, when they heard these things, hey, they were caught to their hearts and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, hello? So he was still under the Holy Spirit's influence when he was making that fantastic comment. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses lay down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen, he was pushed out of the city and stoned to death. But this Stephen, he died without holding a grudge against them. 
Just like Jesus said. Say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they are doing. But I'm happy to be hated and crucified. I'm happy to be hated and stoned to death. Hatred was not only prophesied. It was experienced. And it was not only Stephen that experienced it. In fact, if you turn your Bibles for that to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Read what the Bible says. The Bible says, Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. We are still being harassed. <laughs> Today, we are still being harassed. The Bible says, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Can you imagine? The king Herod, he killed James, the brother of John, he killed him with a sword. This is the part that is frightening. Verse 3. The Bible says, And because... He saw that he pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. He killed an apostle, James. Say, the people were excited. Yes, thumbs up. Everybody was shouting on social media. Yes, yes, they have killed that noisemaker. Bible said, when Herod heard and understood that the, the people were happy that someone was killed for Christ's sake. He took the next one. He took Peter. You know, those are the pillars of the church. Peter, James, John, right? So he took James. He killed him successfully. Then he took Peter. Say, let's 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 kill this one too. If not for divine intervention, he would have killed Peter also at that point in time. Of course, Peter too was martyred later in, later in life. If you check the history, and we don't have time to go into all of that. Some people are happy. They are pleased when God's servants are hated. They are excited. In fact, they will broadcast the news when God's servants are hated. True God's servants, when they are hated, some people will be very excited and broadcast the news. Other apostles too, they suffered their own faith. When uh, Paul was speaking to Timothy and said, I, I have finished the race, I have run. Do you think he, he, he died by sleeping on a pillow? Or Peter? When Peter was saying a time will come that they will just take my hand. Jesus was prophesying to Peter that a time will come. They will, they will take your hand. They will take you to a place that you don't want to go. Do you think Jesus was talking about him going to, to rest in one hospital and die peacefully of old age? No. Those people suffered serious, serious persecution. Many of them were sawn into pieces. Sword pierced through them. They dragged some of them on, on the streets of, of Africa, of Asia, of Europe. Some of them were caught asunder. Some of them were beheaded, crucified. Hatred didn't start today. Consider yourself privileged, blessed to be in the group of people who will be hated. Even in our days, we experience it, don't we? Oh, have you forgotten so quickly about Leah Sharibu? We have made it a meme now. It's just an hashtag. We've reduced it to hashtag. This young lady, a soldier of Christ, stood her ground. Stood her ground and she's still in enemy, enemy territory. We experienced it today. They freed other people. They left Leah Sharibu because she has professed her faith for Christ and has told them she is not changing her mind. She would rather die at her post. I'll do as he beats me. Whatever that cost, I'll be a true soldier. I'll die at my post. She has pledged allegiance to say, I will stand here and be killed if I must. But I will not bow to you. I will not change my mind. 
How many more have been martyred, beheaded in northern Nigeria, in Adamawa, in Yobe, in Zamfara? Beheaded. As we speak, I still read about one today. They put him on death row. They put his picture out there. He's begging for mercy. Somebody come to my head. They are going to cut off his head in a number of days. How many more heads have been cut? Hatred is real. Persecution is real. And it's part of the package that we signed up for. This journey is not for the lily livered. And that's why we charge you to be strong, be bold, endure hardship as a soldier of Christ. Endure hardship. This is why we labor in this discipleship program. Endure hardship. We have been called to this life. We must be ready to live this kind of life and die for our convictions if we must. Because it is a requirement for us to suffer for his sake. It is a privilege to suffer for his sake. I remember back in the days when I, I served in the north, there are places in this same nation, Nigeria, that you cannot openly shout the name of Jesus. And I'm not telling you what I read. I'm telling you what I experienced. When for rural rugged, we were told point blank, you cannot mention the name of Jesus. You cannot. So we have to devise another way of mentioning the name of Jesus or calling on Jesus in prayer. During the four days of doing a rural rugged, in the same city, in the same state, this same country, there are places in that city that as a Christian, you cannot have property. You cannot live in certain places. This same nation. If that's not hatred and persecution, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. There's a separate place where Christians can live. A separate place where others can live. If you're a Christian, you cannot live in certain places. You cannot buy property in certain places. If you buy it, they will come and pull it down. How many family houses in, in the north of Christian believers have been turned down? How many of their vehicles have been burnt down? For Christ's sake. It is part of the deal. This is practical Christianity. This is what we signed up for. This is what we signed up for. Forget about the fanciful outlook. If you are going to be a Christian, be a Christian. Being a Christian requires that you include this in your package. It's in the package. You can't throw it out. You can't throw it out. As prosperity is in the package, so is persecution. So is persecution. They stereotype us. They call us names. All kind of names. If you want to see people who are being dragged, cyberbullying, go online. Be a pastor, be a church. They drag you for everything and anything. What concerns you, what doesn't concern you, they drag you for it. You suffer for it. As a church, the, the, the social media will drag you as if you are a government. They voted an elected government to build road. They will be accusing church of not building the road. You were, you were, with your two eyes open. When you voted for who you voted for, and you know their names, why don't you attack them? But you attack men of God, people who are laboring, laboring for the kingdom. You attack them. Oh, they should build hospitals. They should build prisons. They should provide electricity. They should do this and that. It's part of the hatred. And the, the same set of people celebrate criminals. They celebrate Yahoo Yahoo boys. Celebrate those who are promoting nakedness. Celebrate those who are promoting unrighteousness in the land. If that's not hatred, tell me what hatred is. We see it all around us all the time. All the time. 
But as mentioned earlier, we are hated as a privilege. A privilege that comes with benefits. A privilege that comes with benefits. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, uh, speaking on the, on the mount, this is a popular sermon on the mount. And this was one of the very few things that the Lord began to teach as he sat on that mountain. We call it the Beatitudes. The attitude of the blessed ones. That is the attitude of the believers. The mindset we should have. The disposition that we should have as believers. The attitude of the blessed one. Which many have called Beatitudes. So I'm going to verse 10. Because this is the one that is relevant to our conversation today. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. The Bible says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. You remember... Jesus is the righteous branch. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when you see blessed in scriptures. To be envied. That is, you are so fortunate. Others will envy you. Because you are among those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You are vilified. Disdained abused, hated, persecuted, killed for the sake of doing what is right. For the sake of following the righteous branch, the just one, for the sake of his name. The Bible says, blessed are you. You are to be envied. You are to be, you know, to be praised. You, you are happy. Happy are you for being in the lineage of those who are persecuted for Christ's sake. Why? Say for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is open to you. If you are among those who are privileged to be persecuted for him. It was not just about giving you visa. It's not just a visa to the kingdom of heaven. He said in that kingdom of heaven, certain things are awaiting you. Verse 11. Say blessed are you. When they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you. Falsely for my sake. Verse 12 says rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Say you are not just going to heaven. You have a great reward in heaven. He didn't just say reward. And this is Jesus Jesus is not someone who exaggerates or who is just using words for the sake of using words. He said, great is your reward in heaven. If you are in the lineage of those who are persecuted, reviled for his name's sake. It goes on to say, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is those who spoke for me, who spoke forth. Or who spoke for me before you. Said they persecuted them too. Welcome to the club. So believer, brethren, brother, sister. Don't feel it's something strange. To be named among those who will be persecuted for Christ. And he said there are those who have gone ahead of you. They spoke for me. They spoke forth on my behalf. Join the list. You have come to join the list. They too were persecuted. And they do have a reward in heaven. They don't only have access to heaven. They have reward in heaven. 
And they don't just have reward in heaven. They have great reward in heaven. So because you know that you are to expect hatred. Because you know that those who have gone ahead of you have experienced hatred. Because you know that hatred was prophesied for you. Because you know that there are benefits for being hated. You need to learn how to deal with it. Because it will definitely come, right? How do you deal with it? In fact, in the very scripture we are reading here, see what the Bible says. In verse 12, it's giving us an expo. How do you deal with it? Verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I, I like the way Jesus, I like the way he puts things. Say, oh, they are killing you. Normally, what should you do? You want to fight? You want to run? You want to cry? Say, no, don't do that. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Do you remember Stephen when we read about him in the book of Acts chapter 7? The Bible says as he was speaking, his face looked like the face of an angel. His face was shining bright. He was excited. And as they were stoning him, instead of him to be crying, Oh my head, oh my leg, this is Jesus self. I for not go, I for not join. The Bible said he looked at, at them. He said, Father, do not charge this sin against them. That doesn't look like a man who was feeling sorry for himself. That was a man in control, even begging for God to not charge the sin of the murderers against them. He died like Jesus died. I, 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 I'm not surprised. The Bible says before they started stoning him, he said, I saw in heaven, heaven was open, and I saw the Son of Man standing, standing on the right side of God. Jesus was saying, soldier, I'm ready to receive you. Jesus was giving Stephen a standing ovation. Read your Bible. Rejoice. Stephen was excited. He was excited to go home. He said, see, I already see my master standing. I'm excited to go home. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Don't feel bad that they hate you. In fact, feel good that they hate you. Because they should hate you. That's what the master said. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice. Don't be sad. Don't be sorry for yourself. But rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Another way to deal with being hated. I turn my Bible to James chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1 to maybe verse 4. James chapter 1. Listen to what the Bible says. Okay, let me start from verse 2. My brethren, and I'm speaking to you, my brethren too. The apostle James speaking to you. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the second way to deal with being hated is for you to look to the bright side. The trials you face by being hated will produce in you patience. It will produce faith. It will produce virtues. It will build you up. You become a better believer because you have endured action as a soldier of Christ. You have gone through trials. And mind you, you are not the only one going through trials. All believers who truly are disciples, not in mouth, 
But in reality, they face trials. Because we say we will not bend. We will not bow. We will stand for Jesus. Come watch me. He said, look to the bright side. Consider this hatred of you as training for you. The trials you go through, take it like training. They call you names. They say you carry Jesus on your head. They say, now you kill Jesus. Take it like God is trying to train you. Training you in wisdom. Training you in how to be quiet when people are trying to, to you know, pull you down. Training you to be strong when every other person is conforming to the world. You alone standing. Training you to be able to swim against the current of this life. Training you to swim against the tide. Building strong chest and backbone for you. You following a different direction than the one that the Broadway is putting in front of you. Is a training. Your faith is strengthened. Your patience develops. When you go through these trials that come as a result of hatred. When they call you names, everybody in the class is cheating. Everybody is using the expo. Only you, you decided, I will not do it. And they say, oh, this person will go and expose us. So everybody in the class hates you. Or somebody gets up and tears your own shit. And it has happened to believers. For not conforming, believers have suffered. They said, look to the bright side. Look to the bright side. Look to the bright side. A day they, they know that you will not be available is a day they put an activity that requires you to be available because they know you are a Christian. They know on, on Sunday you are supposed to be in church. That is when they put your icon lectures. Have you not heard of it? They put your icon lectures on Sunday morning. You should be in church. But they are, they are forcing you to choose between being in church and going for that lecture. They call you to come to office, come to your bank. Come for this lecture. Come for this tutorial. We are having impromptu tests on a Sunday morning. On the time that you are supposed to go for fellowship, we are going to put an activity. You have to choose between your fellowship and this activity. It's a trial of your faith. It's a trial of your faith. It will build in you faith. Confidence in God. Confidence in God. Forcing you to choose between God and the trials that you face. Focusing on the big side helps you. Helps you. What other way can you use in dealing with being hated? We'll go back to the book of Matthew. We read Matthew chapter 10 earlier. We'll go back to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, I'm going to read from verse 16. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Ah, oh, we've not even read this today. Very good. The Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking. He said in verse 16, Matthew chapter 10, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise. Somebody say be wise. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. As a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour. What you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Hallelujah. Three nuggets right here. In this simple four verses. The Bible says, how can you deal with being hated? 
knowing that being hated is guaranteed. How can you deal with it? Say number one thing, you have to be wise and harmless. Say be wise. Be wise as what serpents. Be gentle as what as doves. Be wise. In this world, they will want to look for what you will say so that they can incriminate you. The Bible said they were looking for what Jesus has said wrong so that they can find a case before him. They could not. They needed to go and hire people to come and tell lies. The same thing with the case of Stephen. The Bible says he was full of wisdom, of faith and the Holy Ghost. Be wise. Be wise. If you read that James chapter 1, we read... Um, one, we read two to four. If you go to verse five, it says, Now, if any one of you lack wisdom, let him ask. Right? Because wisdom is necessary to live the life of a believer. The words you speak, how you speak them, wisdom will guide you. Wisdom will make it difficult for them to find something to pin you down on. Wisdom. Wisdom. He said, Be wise as serpents. But, be gentle as dogs. Stephen was gentle. He could have called, Oh Lord God, although I'm not the commander of the angel armies, I'm begging you, commander, send one legion of angels. Let them come and kill these people that want to stone me. No, he said, no. I would rather beg you, Oh Lord, do not charge this sin to the accounts. He was wise. And at the same time, harmless. That's how you deal with being hated. But that's not all. He said, when they eventually catch you, even though you have been wise and you have been gentle, like Stephen, like Jesus, the Bible says when they took Jesus before Pilate, he was quiet. <laughs> he was quiet. They could not find anything to say about him. The Pilate asked him, ah, would you say something about this? He said, young man, it's not about what I say or what I don't say. It's just because it has been given that this thing will happen like this. So, do what you need to do. I'm ready to do what I must do. I'm ready to go to that cross. So, at some point, even though you are wise and harmless, they will still catch you. And they caught Jesus. And they caught Stephen. And they caught James. And they caught Paul. And they caught Peter. And they caught the rest of the apostles. Even John, that they did not eventually martyr, they deported him sent him on exile to the Isle of Patmos, solitary land, to go and rot there and die. I don't know which animals are there that we attack him. Of course, there was where he received the revelation. So at some point when they catch you, the Bible says, don't worry about what you will say and how you will say it. Will you shout it? Will you whisper it? Will you sing it? He said, don't worry. What is the content of your speech? Don't worry. Why? He said, your father, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. He will speak through you. He will use that as his platform to speak. So what does that mean? Meaning, to deal with hatred of the world, you need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. You must rely. Because he is the one that will guide you into what you will say and how you will say it. When you need to keep quiet and when you need to raise your voice, is the one that will guide you. Is the teacher. Is the one that knows all truths. Is the one that knows the will of your father for you. And it will be the will of the father for some of us to be martyred. I know nobody wants to choose this. The believers have been martyred. God saw it. 
He permitted it. So God will permit some of us to be martyred. He will permit some of us to be persecuted in one way or the other. Because it's part of the deal. It has been written. It has been prophesied. The words of God will not fall to the ground. But say, don't worry about those who can kill this flesh. Don't worry. Don't worry about them. Focus on the fact that um, those who are persecuted, they have a benefit of access to heaven. But not just access to heaven, they have rewards in heaven. Rewards in heaven. As we bring this series to a close, I want to charge you to say, what will you do for Christ's sake? What will you do for Christ's sake? Some of you listening today, I don't know if you have even enrolled for Christ's sake. If you have come to meet him for salvation of your soul. Brethren, you cannot save yourself. Brother, sister, if you have not enrolled already, you cannot save yourself. Only Jesus can save. And that's why you must come to him to enroll. To give your life to him. But giving your life to him is just the first step of the many steps ahead. You must learn to testify for his sake. You must be ready to fight for his sake. To contend for the faith that was once handed to all the saints. You must be ready to fight the good fight of faith. As you fight, you must be willing to suffer for his sake. To be persecuted for his sake. To be hated for his sake. And if need be, to die for his sake. To die for his sake. I pray that the grace of God to stand in the calling in which we have been called will come upon us, every one of us, and that we will build us up, that we will be strong, that we will be bold, that we will stand to the end for Christ's sake and not give up and not give in. And to stand the test of time. To finish like Paul finished. To say I have run the race. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. And there is laid for me. The crown of righteousness. To say I will go to that heaven. Where I have access. And I will take the reward that has been laid down for me. This is what I invite you to. From next month we will go to another series. Understanding the cross. Where we progress this discipleship journey further. I pray that the grace of God will be made available to us. I invite you now to bow your heads. Let us pray. Let us pray for strength. It is easy to talk about fighting and dying for Christ's sake. When we are confronted with the reality. Like the pastors in northern Nigeria who have been beheaded. At that moment, they're about to cut your head. And they ask you, deny him, we'll let you live. The decision you make at that point, you cannot make it by human strength. You cannot make it by human resolve. If God does not help you, you can't do it. I need you to cry out for help. I need you to cry out for help. This morning, cry out for help. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I pledge allegiance to you, Lord God, but I don't have enough strength to go the long haul. I need your strength. I need your help. I need your help. I need your strength. Lord, stand by me. As I go through my journey as a believer, 
as I continue my journey as a believer, that the things I need to go through for Christ's sake, I will have the strength to go through them. When the world and the rest of other believers are conforming, I will stand. I will stand true to the word. I will stand true to the word of God. I will stand true to the commitment that I've made to say I will stand at my post and if death comes I will not flee but I will die as a true soldier I will endure hardship as a soldier of Christ I will not conform to the world I will stand and do the duty of an evangelist I will testify and I will fight the good fight of faith I will not chicken out in battle pray brethren pray pray for strength pray for help if you count on your strength, it's going to fail you. If you count on your energy, it's going to fail you. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. If you have seen any form of hatred, I tell you this is the preamble. As the days progress, the world will hate you more and more for the sake of Christ. And in diverse ways, they will express this hatred. They will buy you from certain privileges. They will deprive you of access to certain places because you have professed the name of Christ. Because you have hated iniquity and because you have loved righteousness, the world will hate you. Ask for strength in the day of adversity. Ask for strength in the face of triumph that you will be standing. That you will be standing. You will not give up. You will not give in. You will not compromise. You will not fail Jesus. You will not deny him. You will not betray him. You will not crucify him. You will stand as a soldier. You will stand in solidarity with Jesus all through the days of your life. Receive strength now in the place of prayer. Call for strength in the place of prayer. Pray for yourself. You never know when this prayer will come true for you. Jesus speaking to his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, pray that you do not enter into temptation. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. They did not pray. Peter denied Jesus. Because they did not pray. They were sleeping. Jesus came to them the first time and said, can you not watch for me for an hour? They continued to sleep. He came again. He said, can you not watch for me for an hour? They continued to sleep. He came a third time and said, continue to sleep now because it is too late after they failed to pray Peter denied Jesus three times Peter denied Jesus three times so that you will not deny Jesus pray for strength, ask for strength ask for grace, ask that the Lord will strengthen you he will strengthen you, he will give you the courage to say no to the world to not conform to the ways, to the principles to the values, to the essence, to the practices of the world, to stand true as a soldier of Christ, no matter what name you are called to stand true pray and travail in the place of prayer call on, for, on Jesus for strength call on Jesus for power power to stand to the end you will not lose steam you will not lose gas you will stand energized from now unto the end of age until our journey's end we will be standing in Jesus name we pray our father we thank you we bless your holy name for the journey you took us through in the month of February. For Christ's sake. We pray that you will help us. We will not just be hearers or preachers of your word. We will be doers. We will be faithful stewards. Faithful disciples. We will go with you the long haul. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you Father for strength is available in you. We receive strength to stand. In Jesus mighty name we pray. God bless you. Please listen to the announcement and join us same time next week. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, 
Kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dauda Street of Eric Mosso Lagos. God bless you.